2 and 3. We're going to consider both of those psalms tonight. So you have a printout or if you have a Bible, you can join me. I'm really glad to be here and uh, just really appreciate the opportunity uh, uh, to open God's Word with you tonight. So Psalm 2, and I'm just going to read straight through both of these psalms. Hear now the word of the Lord. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest you be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is kindled, is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. O Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now, O great Jehovah, of the one who has for us bread of life, bread from heaven, the one who promised to us waters, living waters. Would you help us to trust that? Would you help us to come open to what you desire to give us tonight? Would you bring us to this music in the book of Psalms? A music that is powerful and it's a little frightening sometimes. Would you help it to become the song of our hearts? That we would sing your praises. That we would sing of our trust for you. That we do that not just with our lips, but with our lives as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 5 of Psalm 3 sounds really good right now. David says, I lay down and slept. 
It's been a it's been a long week for me. I'll just be honest. It has been a very busy, hectic, and frankly trying week so far, and we're only at Thursday. And sleep right now feels really precious to me. I have a very full schedule at church, a full schedule with family. Sounds really good to me to say, I lay down and I slept. Can you relate? Maybe, maybe I'm not the only one in this room, but that sounds good to you. That you're, you're in the middle of the semester, the newness has worn off, the break is far enough away that it's, it's kind of a grind at this point. And many of you are tired. You're tired not just because of late nights and not just because of stressful deadlines. We're tired. We long for rest. Not just because we didn't get a full eight hours of sleep last night, but we long for rest because of fear, because of anxiety, because of worry, because of disappointment, because of loss, because of ongoing and unresolvable, seemingly unresolvable conflict in relationships. And we're tired. My guess is most of us tonight or at some point this week would love to say, I just want to lay down and sleep. What's remarkable about that statement in verse 5 is who said it and when he said it. David, of course, was this amazing, great leader of God's people. There was so much promise attached to him and to his dynasty. But he wrote these words at a time when all the potential seemed gone. All the promise seemed, seemed done. His son Absalom had rebelled, had led a rebellion against his administration, which of course was not only a political problem, that was a deep personal betrayal. And more than that, David didn't have enough military and political strength to hold the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem. He had to run away in disgrace to try and preserve his life and those right around him. His family was in shambles. His career was in a nosedive. The nation he loved and led was on the brink of disastrous civil war. If ever there was a time to pull an all-nighter, this was it. But what did he do? He says, I lay down and I slept. Where does that ability to rest come from? That's the question I want to ask tonight. Where does that ability to rest come from? So understand that my goal tonight is to put you to sleep. Which is like every preacher, that's just setting the, the bar really low. <laughs> Set the expectations low. My goal is to put you to sleep. But way more than that, my goal is for us to understand where the deeper rest comes from. Deeper rest that would allow someone to rest in the midst of such chaos. Where does that ability to rest come from? Well, as we look at these two psalms, we'll find two sources for rest. 
We find rest in God's victory, and we find rest through our prayers. First of all, God's victory. The sleep in Psalm 3 happens because of the fight in Psalm 2. Psalm 2 paints this picture of major international conflict, world war. And on one side is God, with his claim to have the right to rule over all the nations, his claim to absolute sovereignty over everything that exists, and along with him, his anointed, his king, his chosen human representative, a designation given to David and to his sons, who were to represent God's agenda, not only to God's people, but to the whole world. That's one side. The other side, there are the nations. Those who see God's rule as slavery. And so they conspire against him. They rebel against him. And I want you to understand that this conflict, that is not a one-time event. That is all of human history. That is a conflict that exists and continues until right now. In this place. God and his will. And those who see that will as slavery, so rejected and rebellious. Now, how does a song about war put us to sleep? How does a battle cry help us to rest? How can a song about people being smashed and crushed help us? To find release and calm and peace. Well, because it's a one-sided thought. Right? This psalm, too, is a song about a one-sided fight. It sings with absolute certainty of God's victory. This is an ancient form of trash. Armies would use these types of songs to bolster their confidence and, and to steer their enemies. One of the great trash talkers of all history, the boxer Muhammad Ali, said to an opponent once, he said, if you even dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> That's essentially God's message to his enemies. That's what he says to them. But, you know, with an army or with an athlete, when they trash talk, when they talk like this, there's always a little bit of uncertainty, isn't there? As great as Muhammad Ali was, he wasn't undefeated. Maybe the Seminole Nation is unconquered, but the Knowles don't make it through every season undefeated. <laughs> but when God talks this way, there is no such uncertainty. When God laughs at his enemies and says to them, my son, he will rule over you. My king will rule over you. That is inevitable. My office at our church building tends to flood. I remember one afternoon I was sitting in my office watching Netflix, I mean preparing for my sermon. And I, I'm sitting in my office and I get an alert, an emergency 
weather alert on my phone. I think, ah, oh, that's interesting. And two minutes later, I look to my left, and under the wall begins to creep a pool of water. I call some friends from our church, and we go to work. And we've got towels, and we've got shop bags, and we've got van or fans, and we are trying to hold back this water, but nothing we did could stop the advance of that puppy. Everything we did was futile. It just kept moving further and further until it covered the whole floor. That's God's kingdom. That is his reign. That is his rule. It is a flood that will fill the earth. And no human opposition, no spiritual opposition can stop it. And that rule, that reign, it comes through Jesus. That's why it's good news. That's why this really scary psalm, Psalm chapter 2, can be good news. Because this song about enemies being crushed, it is ultimately about Jesus. Psalm 2 isn't finally about David, it's about his ultimate descendant. It, this passage is one of the most quoted Old Testament passages in the New Testament. Because it describes what God is doing through his son. You've been studying the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4 takes this poem in Psalm 2 and applies it to the cross of Jesus. When God's enemies rose up against his anointing. And then chapter 13 of that book takes this poem and applies it to the resurrection of Jesus. When God laughed at his enemies. As his son conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. God's reign, his rule, it is inevitable. And it has begun in the life, death, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus. The only question left is how will you respond? How will you respond to this inevitable reign? You see that impulse to join the conspiracy against God and His will to rebel against Him? That impulse is in us all. And the invitation of the gospel, the message about Jesus is turn away from that impulse, turn away from that destructive way of life and bow before the Son. Kiss the Son. And here's why that is good news. It's good news because we think the opposite of rebellion is obedience. But in Psalm 2, that's not it. The opposite of rebellion isn't obedience here. Verse 12 says, kiss the Son. What does that mean? How does the whole psalm end? Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. You see, the option is reject or trust. Rebel Find a refuge in God's anointing. 
That's why this battle music can teach us to rest. Because if we are in Jesus by faith, then the inevitable rule and reign of God is for us safety, protection, care, compassion, life, favor, Jesus takes this war song and through his death and resurrection he turns it into a love because he, as he dies suffering the consequences of our rebellion he invites us into the protective care of this God Here's the problem. Life doesn't feel like that. Life doesn't feel like that is true. If we look at our own sin, much less the chaos and the injustice of the world around us, it does not feel like Jesus is winning. When we consider how we feel threatened, how we struggle, the pain that we face, it does not always feel like God's protective hand is around us. So what do we do? How do we sleep? How do we find rest? Let's consider a second source of rest. Not only do we find rest in God's victory, we also find rest through our prayers. Notice how Psalm 3 doesn't deny what life feels like. Psalm 3 doesn't deny the experience that makes it feel as if God is not winning. Verses 1 and 2, David articulates an overwhelming experience Like Jesus is winning. Verse 4. He takes that experience and he turns it into a cry. He turns it into this call, this desperate call to God for help. He turns it into prayer. Why? How does that transformation happen? How does a transformation from that experience, this distressing experience, into a cry to God. How does that transformation happen? Verse 3. You are my shield. You are my help. You are the one who lifts up my head. David is able to take this distressing experience. And turn it into prayer. Turn it into a cry out to God because of what he knows about God. 
because of who God is for him, because of the promises that God has made to him. And so David names his fear. He calls out with his fear. And then he goes to sleep. You remember how I said David had to run away from Jerusalem. He had to flee this city, the capital city of Israel, in disgrace, uh, in the cover of night, trying to save his life and the rest of his family's lives. And Jerusalem plays into both of these songs. In Psalm 2, God says, I have set my king up in Zion. That's Jerusalem. I have put my king on my holy hill. That description is repeated in Psalm 3, verse 4, where David says, God answered me from his holy hill. How is that possible? David is miles outside of the city. His son who's rebelled against him is on his throne in Jerusalem. How can he say God has answered me from his holy hill? Well, David understands what Jerusalem meant. What it symbolized. This place, this mountain, symbolized all that God had promised to his people. The truth that he had promised to be with them, to not forsake them, to be present with them and to them. The promises that he had made to David about his throne and about his leadership and about what he would accomplish in his people through him. And so David, miles away from the city, still looks back at the city. Instead of chaos, he sees God's commitments. He sees who God is, and who God promised to be. And that enables him to call out, to cry out, and then to go to sleep. My kids sometimes wake me up in the middle of the night. And usually when they wake me up, it's because of a nightmare or it's because of sickness. And I've noticed something about that experience. When my kids wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare or with sickness, they don't just cry. They cry out a name. Mommy! Daddy! Why? Because they instinctively know where to take their pain and their fear. That's what David knew. In the middle of this mess, he doesn't lie about his situation. He doesn't act as if everything is okay, but he knows where to take his pain and his fear. Do you? Do you know where to take your pain? Do you know where to take your loss? Do you know where to take that anxiety that keeps you up? Do you know what name to call out in those nightmares? Not just the ones you dream, but the ones you live. Do you know that in Jesus, you can call out 
to God. The one who claims this incredible sovereignty and you can call out to him. Father, where are you? Where are you? This is who you said you would be. Where are you? You can go to him with your pain and your fear because of who Jesus is for you. So are you tired? beyond just a night of sleep. That's good. We should long for that. Because we live in a world that's so deeply broken and sad and frightening. So know that longing. Articulate it. Speak it. Go to Jesus. Know that he wins. Call out to him. And then go to sleep. times we're good at hiding that. But we're exhausted. We're exhausted by failures. We're exhausted by worry. We're exhausted by the attempt to act as if we have this life figured out. We put it all together. Would you, would you teach us the honesty of Psalm chapter 3? That we would be able to know our pain, to feel it, and to speak honestly about it. But then would you also help us to sing the music of Psalm chapter 2 as well? That even in the middle of the mess, all our pain and fear are very, very real. May you, your love, your commitments to us, may that be more real. Would you give us that childlike instinct and confidence to call out to you? Trust the story of your kingdom and to rest in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We pray all in his name.